What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly, and we are back for another episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode 40. We're going to do something special for 50. 50, we're going to do something special. I don't know what, but we're going to figure out something for 50. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are all far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I am so glad that you are here with me. I am Jesse Holly, the sports talk equivalent of Braille. People feel me when I speak. You guys know what you have to do, though, right? Like, you got to like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Hit the notification button. Like, if you hit the notification button every time we drop, whether on Apple or Spotify or YouTube, hit all those notification buttons. When we drop these episodes, you will be able to be notified so that you know what's going on. Hot off the presses. You don't want to miss this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm spitting that good, good game to you. But I do appreciate all of you, man. And, and you can follow me on all the social media platforms, on Instagram, on Facebook, um, on Twitter. I'm, I'm close. I'm close. I'm still prayerful about this TikTok thing. I'm close. I, don't, I, don't, I'm, I got gray hairs. I don't know if I belong in the TikTok generation. But business is business. And if TikTok says and dictates where we can get more people in the building to hear unfiltered that I may have to make that move. But I don't know. We'll see. You guys pray for me as well. You let me know. Let me know. Like, yo, Jess, TikTok, you got to get on it. You know what I mean? You got to get on it because that's where the, that's where it's at. But you guys know I like to get down. I like to give my motivation at the beginning because let's be honest, most of you will not be here at the end. Uh, I'm just not for everybody. And that's okay. That's okay. But before you go, I need you to listen to three episodes. When you see this, we'll have 40 of them out already. Listen to three episodes, 15 minutes of police. And if you aren't in love with me at the end of those episodes, listen to three more. You guys know what to do. All right, here we go, because I want to get right into this, man. We got a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff that we want to talk about today. Uh, but I want to get into this, and, and here's what we got uh, today. Um, this one, This one comes... This one comes at a place where I, I, I am a I, I hate the term self-made, like like self-made. I, I get that you do some things by yourself. No one's ever self-made. There were some folks that helped you out. There were. There were. And if you really get to the elevation of the top, there are some folks that are more than one folks who helped out. So here's here's where that kind of come from today. Here's what I gotta say. If you want to climb to the top of a mountain, you better bring someone that's been there before. If your goal is to climb to the top of Mount Everest, you going at that alone, never climbing a mountain before, never understanding the landscape that you're about to um, embark on, it's foolish. It is. It's very foolish. If you want to get and ascend to the top of the mountain, it will behoove you to surround yourself with some people who've done it before. If you want to own a bakery, it will behoove you to surround yourself with people who's owned a business before, who's baked before, who understands P&Ls, who understands the CPA numbers of it. If you want to do lashes, it will behoove you to surround yourself with some people who have run a successful lash business. What are some of the techniques? If you want to be in finances, if you want to be in real estate, if you want to be a mechanic, if you want to own a barbecue joint, it will behoove you 
to get around some folks who understand how to start a pit. Many times we, we, we have these lofty dreams and expectations, and those are absolutely fine. Those are encouraged. I encourage you to dream. I've said this before. Dream so big that it scares the hell out of people who you tell it to. Dream so big that it's scary. Then get some support. Because going to the top of the mountain, there, there are many times when you hear about the, the, the travel and the ascension to the mountaintop, especially those uh, mountains that have the snow caps and, and, and you have to go through the elements. And there are a lot of times there are these grave sites. There are these moments in the mountains when you get to certain elevations, they tell you the air is this. You've reached this high. You've gone this high. You've gone this high. But then you hear the stories of those who've come before you to reach that elevation, the top of that mountain, who've perished. For some, you actually see the remains of people who selfishly died on the, on the, on the, on the ascension, on the journey to the top of the mountain. So this is my plea to you. There is no such thing as self-made that to me is selfish if you're going to get to the leaps and the heights and the greatness that you want of your potential you need to surround yourself with some folks who've done it successfully i don't want to i don't want to I don't, I don't want marriage counseling from the dude who's been divorced four times <laughs> i don't I, I, I don't I don't want I don't want money advice from the dude who's been bankrupt. I want to surround myself with people who've been to the top of Mount Everest, who can tell me every single step, the good, the bad, the ugly, who can hold my hand at times, who can actually reach down and pick me up when I fall, who can encourage me, can tell me you're close. You're almost there. Sometimes we, we don't use the lesson that has been given by someone else. Let someone else's failures or someone else's failing and overcoming that, let that be a springboard for you. Don't fall in the same potholes. That's, that's dumb. That's dumb to see the car in front of you drive off the cliff and you hit, and you hit the gas. No, <laughs> don't do that. But if you're going to make this ascension, and I pray that you all have goals and aspirations on your vision board, you're manifesting, um, you're thinking about it daily, you can't sleep because it's on your mind, man, reach out. Find a mentor. Find someone that can, that can, that can give you game about how to be successful in it. I don't want you to be a, a, a bookmark. I don't want you to be on one of those plateaus as people are going to the top of the mountain that say, ah, she fought hard, but didn't make it. He, 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 he had a good plan, didn't make it. If, you, if your plan is to climb to the mountaintop, get you some folks that's already been there. All right. All right, man, let's get into this 
Cowboys-Seahawks game. Thursday night football, prime TV. The Cowboys 8-3 are rolling. The Seahawks 6-5, they're a uh, team. This is one of those games for the Cowboys, the end of the three games in 12 days schedule. This is the beginning of the back end of the Cowboys schedule where the competition actually is formidable. It's actually some competition that you have to go, you know what, we, we, we can't just show up. <laughs> you know, you may have kind of been able to relax, and, and I'm, I'm thankful that the Cowboys did what they did to the Giants and to the, to the Panthers and to the, to, the, to the Commanders because you are supposed to take inferior teams out back Get the switch and whoop on them. You're supposed to do that. And I'm glad the Cowboys did so that no one can't say that they didn't. Oh, well, they struggled against these teams that are less than the nah, nah, mm-mm, mm-mm. They, 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 they was ankle deep. They were ankle deep in the butt kicking. I mean, so much butt, kick, butt kicking for those three teams, the Giants, the, the Panthers, and the, the Commanders. They were spitting cleats. But this game against the Seahawks is one where um, you can't take them lightly. I, I do believe that the Cowboys will be victorious in this game. But the Seahawks are an okay football team. They have some names. They have some pieces. They have some components to their team that can make it difficult. The Cowboys on a 13-home game winning streak. When you play the Cowboys at home, you, you basically die. And I think that's going to continue to happen for the Dallas Cowboys. The, the Seahawks, Geno Smith, he's dealing with an elbow situation, which to me is it, when anytime you're dealing with quarterback and it's a shoulder, it's an elbow it's, a, it's, it's fingers on the throwing hand that, that limits your ability to be successful. It, it hampers it just a bit. One of the things about this offense, and I'll start with the Seahawks offense, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're going to they're, they're throw the football. And they have the weapons. They, of course, you know D.K. Metcalf. Right now, D.K. Metcalf has about 675 yards on the season, three touchdowns, big target. DJ Metcalf is a—he can be a matchup problem. He's bigger than any guy that you can line up on, in him, on him. You can put a linebacker on DJ Metcalf. He probably is bigger than him. DJ Metcalf looks like he's supposed to be a defensive end. He's faster than probably any guy that you can line up on him, and he has the ability to make plays at any portion of the field. Like he has—he has the home run ability from a slant, stop route, in route, go ball, post. And he's a red zone threat. Big target. Tyler Lockett, speed. Tyler Lockett sneakily, like sneakily make has made a ton of plays in his career. With Russell Wilson for Geno Smith. He's another one of those guys that can run. I'm not gonna say he's like a route master. He can run pretty good routes. And then you have the young kid, Jackson Smith in Jigba. The running game, I thought, would have been much – I would have feared a little bit more if Kenneth Walker was playing. I don't know if he's going to play. He's listed as doubtful with an oblique injury. But I've always said this, NFL teams got a hell of a drug. They got drugs. They got good drugs. They got good, good drugs in the NFL. 
type of stuff that whatever your ailments are before the game, they can pump you up with some good stuff, man. You don't feel nothing. Now, after the game, it's always funny how this works, though, right? <laughs> Shout out to Brett Favre. During the, like Before the game and during the game, they'll give you all the drugs that you need. They will get you right. And then after the game, they'll go, oh, we can't give you any more. Wait a second. No, give me some more, too. I'm hurting now because when that adrenaline wears off and, that, and that, those pain meds wear off, you are hurting. Because whatever you hurt before or was hurting before hurts even more now. And they'll give you like, yeah, here, take some 800 milligram ibuprofen and we'll see you in the morning. But, boy, they'll pump you up whatever you want to get you to the game. That's just, I guess, that's business. But what they want to do offensively, they want to push the ball down the football field. Their offensive line is okay. Eh. They are the, the fourth most play-action pass using offense in the league. They want to run the ball on early downs, and they want to set up the big plays. Chunk plays, down-the-field plays. Let me call my shot right now, just by the way. I want to call my shot, and, and trust me, trust if this happens – I might break my shoulder next week when I come in here, pat myself on the back. Let me call my shot through my film study. Deron Bland gets a pick. I don't, I don't know if he takes it. I'm, I'm not calling that big of a shot. I don't know if it goes back for a touchdown. Deron Bland gets a pick. It's going to come on this route. Deron Bland's going to line up on the defensive right-hand side, offensive left-hand side. The route is either going to be a slant or an in-breaking route, in, in, or dig, what's going to happen is whoever the receiver is, Jathan Smith and Jigba, Tyler Lockett, um, DK Metcalf, Geno Smith is going to throw the ball behind them. And trailing in their hip pocket will be the crumb snatching, swipey, no swipey, Deron Bland who will step right in, undercut the route, reach in, take that ball that was poorly thrown to the receiver, and intercept it. I'm calling my shot. I watched Geno Smith at least six or seven times through the course of a couple games that I watched throw that route, especially the in route or the dig route. And it was behind the receivers. And that is a play that Deron Bland will feast on. He will be in perfect coverage. He will be playing the hip he will have the ability to undercut that. He is very good with using his hands. I'm calling my shot. I'm calling my shot. If it happens, you know I'm going to bring it up. If it don't happen, don't y'all say nothing to me about it. I'm just trying to call my shot early from what I saw in film. Some may consider this game a trap game for the Cowboys. I don't. I don't. I think the Cowboys are locked in. They're playing a brand of football right now that, that, that's saying that they're serious about contending. And if they're serious about contending, you don't have slip-up against teams like this. They have your full attention. Uh, they have your full concentration. You come into this game, I think the Cowboys will be a little bit tired. I, Mike McCarthy tried to kind of take a little bit off the players' legs this week, gave some guys some rest. Micah Parsons, Dante Fowler came up on the injury list as sick. They were full participants after that. But there's a little bug going around in the Cowboys' locker room. Um, that can drain you. I, I, again, twelve the, the third game in 12 games for the Cowboys. 
I don't want them to kind of be peeking towards that mini buy. I don't want them peeking towards that Philadelphia game next week. I want them locked in. I think they'll be locked in, but there is a there there is a tendency that when you've gotten through this kind of a gauntlet, you kind of say, "Oof." Well, when we win Thursday, I get I get Friday, Saturday, maybe Sunday off. Coach goes, "See you on Monday." And then the showdown with the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, I think it's going to lose to the Niners, by the way. I don't think there's any team in the National Football League, sidebar, that is better than the Niners. I watched them on film against Seattle. Them jokers. The Niners are good. Fear the Niners. I know you're going to say, I don't fear anybody, says the people who don't have to play the game. I love I love when fans say, I don't fear, I don't fear that team. I'll, give me that team. A little bit too much dip on your chip, my boy. Just calm down. You ain't got to deal with Trent. <laughs> you ain't got to deal with Debo. You ain't got to deal with Greenlaw and Fred Warner and them. You got a little bit too much guacamole on your tortilla chip. Relax. That's a good football team. But I don't want the Cowboys to be be like Martin, like, like Jerome, just a player from the Himalayas. Don't be looking towards that bye. I know it's tantalizing. I know it's salacious. I know about it looking y'all to go on some trips. Some private jets is being booked. A little bit of vacay in the middle of the season is nice. The family's gone from the holidays. I get a little peace. I get to be my little cinnamon apple. My little, my little, you know what I'm saying? My little joint, my wife, my girl. Whoever's on the roster. I get to get away from the game. For, don't start looking to that. Lock in on Seattle. And then don't start looking over the bye week saying, yeah, the bye week's coming. But ooh, on the other side of that. We get another shot at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Lock in on the Seattle game. This is a good team. Not a great team. You know, not, not, not a team that, 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 that's world beaters. Good team. Good team. Good enough where you have to give them your undivided attention. Good enough that you have to go out there and you can't give a, a B minus C plus effort. Good enough that if the ball bounces the opposite way, it can make this a very difficult game. I told you what they have offensively. Defensively, this might be, uh, uh, this might be man for man in the secondary. This might be the best secondary that the Cowboys have faced. Good safety play. Good, good young corners. Jamal Adams playing that, that star role that, or that buck. The safety that plays down in the box. Remember, they, they, they traded for Leonard Williams from the New York Giants, who, give, who gave the Cowboys some issues, was able to push that pocket a little bit. That's on film. Bobby Wagner, I, I'm not, I, I think Bobby Wagner is a good player. Um, I'm not sold on Bobby Wagner being the Bobby Wagner of old. If you line up and you try to run right at Bobby Wagner, he's going to win. He's going to win. If you make Bobby Wagner have to play sideline to sideline, I think that's where he's lost a little bit in his game. 
in coverage. Uh, this is a game, honestly, when I watched when I watched the Seahawks defensively, I this is one of those games where Tony Pollard, Rico, dumping the ball off to those guys, because those linebackers get up out of there. When you when you run route, they they get they get up out of there. And I watch these guys struggle in coverage to the running backs. They're tackling machines if you're running right at them. The young kid Brooks and the old Grizzly veteran Bobby Wagner. But if you make them have to pay sideline to sideline in space and especially using the running backs as receivers and kind of doing long handoffs, little dump-off passes, I think there's a lane of success there. I don't believe there's a lane of success if you line up and try to run right at them. I don't. I think Bobby Wagner and Brooks and Leonard, uh, uh, those guys, I think, uh, and Reed, they do a good job with meeting force with force when it's right on, when it's right at them. I think if you make them have to move a little bit is where you can win some of those battles. Bobby Wagner, to me, doesn't move as good laterally as he once did. Downhill, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a head-hunting monster. But on the back end, this is this is this is one of those games where I know that Z- that Zach that Dak has been in the zone. Over the last six games, he's had 17 touchdowns. The last six games, he's kind of he he he's vaulted himself into that MVP category. He's graded out as the highest graded player in PFF this year. He's playing a brand of football right now. Oh, you know, I don't hear the whispers about those interceptions anymore. Huh. Funny how that works. 23 touchdowns, six interceptions on the year. They don't talk about that anymore. Interesting. Huh. Funny how we all said that last year, that this was kind of out of the norm for him. A little bit off. Not, not, not what he does. And you're seeing that again this season. The turnovers and taking care of the football has been... A premium, like it's always been for Dak. And this offense is, it's rolling. It is rolling. This is one of those games where he's going to have to be good again. CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Ferg, Michael Gallup, Jalen Brooks. The receivers are going to have to be good. They're going to get in your face. They're going to challenge you at the line of scrimmage. The DBs from the Seattle Seahawks, they're going to challenge at the line of scrimmage. They play good cover, aggressive. Um, what, what's the young kid's name? Uh, shoot, I just drew a blank. What, what is the young DB? Um, Woodley. Woodland. Woodland. What is it, Woodland? No, no, not the other one. West. Seahawks? Yeah, yeah. I just drew a blank. Is it West something? But, to, but Tariq, or Reek as he go by now, he's an aggressive corner. They have another young corner on the opposite side. He's super aggressive. Witherspoon. Witherspoon, that's his name. Witherspoon. Aggressive. They want the smoke. They want the smoke. Those two want the smoke. Diggs, he wants the smoke. Not Trayvon and not Steph. Quandre. Quandre. He wants the smoke. Jamal Adams, you know what Jamal, (laughs) y'all remember there was a time, right, Cowboy fans, don't duck and hide now. Cowboy Nation, don't you dare duck and hide. Don't you dare, don't you dare do the Homer Simpson. 
Nah. There was a time that Cowboy Nation was like, give me Jamal Adams. I was like, get no, don't thank you. Get him out of here. Jamal Adams is the he is the Pat Beverly of the NBA. He just be running around out there. He just be like extra. He's like, <laughs> yo, Jamal Adams a few games ago when he came back from his injury. I'm not laughing at him, but I'm laughing at him. Like Jamal Adams is like this rah rah, just over like over, just super emotional dude. Like the dude was in a play for, he was in a game for like two plays. Concussion. He's out. He's out. Like he is so like he wears all the like players like that who wear all the armbands and all the stuff like that just always bothered me. Like you're doing way too much, my boy. Like you don't need all the armbands. With Jamal Adams, he plays down in the box a lot. He's Pat Beverly. He just running around out there. <laughs> He'll hit you. He he's he's who they use when they want to bring pressure. Um, they don't use a lot of pressure. They're not going to blitz you a lot. They're going to play coverage. They're going to get in your face. They're going to rely on their guys up front to make. And they, if they're going to add pressure to you, they're going to most likely send it from Jamal Adams from a certain place of the field. Um, he is, for all intensive purposes, a linebacker. He can't run with tight ends, really. He definitely can't run with running backs. He's not a cover guy. Um, he he is a he's he's Pat Beverly. He's a bona fide um, smaller buck linebacker, star linebacker. That's why I put him at. He plays his 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 title is safety, but to me, he's 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 buck. He's he's a linebacker. But defensively, they 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 they, they want to get physical. They, 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 if, if you want to make it a physical football game, that's right up their alley. They're okay with that. They're, they're okay with this thing getting a little knuck if you buck. But I think the Cowboys just have too much for them. Cowboys have way too much for them. Uh, Dak is playing at, at such a high level. By the way, not only is the league taking notice, one Aaron Rodgers of taking notice. And there's something to be said for when media members or podcast people or content creators give Dak flowers. And this is coming from a player, like player to player. It's one thing for someone to give Dak praise. And even when they gave Dak praise, Dak, Dak said in the media, he said, I've done, I, I, I've done nothing. Yeah, we're playing some good football. We want to start getting, he goes, but I've done nothing. It's a whole other thing when a, a, a player, a peer, of yours, especially a peer of yours that's good. Because sometimes you're like, ah, oh, the scrub guy said I was good. Ah. But when a peer of yours that, I mean, for all intents and purposes and for argument's sake, and it's arguable, will go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. Right? Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show, and he talked about how Dak Prescott is one of the is one of the favorite quarterbacks that he enjoys watching right now. Talked about just how much he's in control of the offense. I hear him at the line of scrimmage calling Ringo and you know bringing a tight end in for coverage and just you see that he's in complete control. And if anybody understands the offense and the things that the integral parts of what Dak Prescott is doing, one, it's another quarterback. Two, it's another quarterback who's been with this head coach. And been in this offense. So when Aaron Rodgers is watching it, I'm sure he's sitting there and he's saying, ah, good call, young fella. I would have done the same thing. 
I would have made that. Yep, yep, it's a good adjustment. I, I see what you saw. Because he's he knows this offense. He ran this offense under Mike McCarthy. So when Aaron Rodgers comes out and he gives those flowers and he gives those praises to Dak Prescott, that has to feel good for Dak. It does. He goes home and, 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 and he's like, oh, man, wow, Aaron Rodgers said that about me? Huh. And that hits different. That hits different than, you know, someone on the desk giving credit. When Aaron gives you credit, that, that's, that, 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 that means a little bit more. My peer of my position, one who's, you know, in the quarterback brotherhood, who knows actually the offense that I'm actually in and now can see from the outside looking in that I'm making the right calls and move. And for, for, for fans who are covering and watching Dak, when you hear Aaron Rodgers say that, that makes you feel good because you're saying, okay, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, someone who's won a Super Bowl, someone who's in this offense, and he's saying that the way that he's running this offense is top-notch, you're like, okay, okay. Now we're cooking with a little bit of grease because Aaron knows. Aaron knows what to look for. So that's a good thing. They, 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 they got to keep this. They have to keep this thing going. And, and, and if Dak wants to be in that conversation of MVP, got to win these games. Because what's the narrative been? The narrative been all season long. All season long. Yes, the numbers look good. Yes, the performances look good. Yes, it looks like he's in control. Yes, he's playing some of the best brand of football. But... He's doing it against bad football teams. He's doing all those things, but there's two victories against the Giants. There's one against the Jets. There's one against the Commanders. There's one against the Panthers. Oh, but when he plays teams that are above 500, there's a struggle. There is a there is an inability to be successful. So if Dak is going to be on this continued pace of killing the narrative, the negative narrative for him, winning a game like this matters. I'm not saying that the Seahawks are the standard because they aren't. They're one or above a 500 team. They're a good team. They're not great. They're not a Super Bowl contender. They're a good football team. And they can beat you if you don't come and play. So I think this is the start. This portion of the season, this is the start for Dak Prescott to kind of go kill the noise. If Dak wants to kill the noise, at least the regular season noise, right? If I'm going to kill the regular season noise with people saying, well, you can't do this against good teams. If he's going to kill the, ne- the regular season noise because the playoffs is another set of noise. Because they're going to say, well, playoffs. Which he's owned. He said, I, I know. I know what the narrative is. I, you know, you do all this, but the playoffs. So if Dak is going to kill the regular season noise, it starts Thursday night. It starts with taking out Seattle. And then it, the next on the, on, the, on, the, on the docket is finishing the job against the Eagles. Because Dak played a hell of a game. I mean, 375 yards. C.D. Lamb had 11 catches for 191 yards. The game was played at a, at a high level. 
Didn't make the championship plays, though. Didn't make the necessary plays. When you're on the two-yard line, you can't get backed up the way they did and didn't get a touchdown. You go out and you beat the Seahawks to start with. Then you beat uh, um, Philly. You take care of business against Buffalo and, and, and Miami. All right, now. Now, now. now they have nothing else to say regular season-wise. Of course, they're going to talk about the playoffs. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, rightfully so. But if, if Dak wants to kill the noise, it starts Thursday night. 13-game home winning streak. They're averaging 40 points at AT&T Stadium. They're beating their opponents at AT&T Stadium by a margin of 20-plus points a game. Got to keep it up. This is another team you can go and, and hang points on. Make them have to score with you. I don't think that they can do it. I think if Geno has to get into a place where he 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 needs to go and 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 uh and go into a shootout, I think he holds the ball too long. I think I think our rush gets to him. So this is the game that the Cowboys have to win. I had the Cowboys winning this game. What did I say? Oh, 20, 28-13. Cowboys beating the Seahawks 28-13. They head into a bye to get a little bit of rest, a little bit of relaxation, get away from football. Don't get in trouble. Don't get in trouble. And then they come back for the showdown against the Philadelphia Eagles. But I think they take care of this bird team first. Down goes the Seahawks 28-13. Cowboys go to a 14-home game winning streak. And they keep pace. This is important. They keep – I think – I do. I, I do – I believe that the that the race for the division is over. That's done. You're not winning the division. Let's be honest. You got to stay in the fifth seed. Losing a game against Seattle puts you in dangerous waters. Puts you in conversations where you may have to go to Santa Clara or you may have to go to Philadelphia in the first – oh, not the first round because Philly will have a bye. But you got to play some teams that you might not want to have to play. Detroit. You want to stay in a place where you're facing either Atlanta or New Orleans. The winner of the AFC South. And right now, NFC South, excuse me, NFC South. And right now, you're in the fifth seed. Which means the fifth seed plays the winner of the AFC, excuse me, NFC South. Which it looks like it's a a two-man race. It's Atlanta, it's New Orleans. I like our chances going to Atlanta and or New Orleans. Both domes, both teams are ripe for the picking. But if you lose a game like this, now you start flirting in those murky waters where you might have to go to see the Motor City Dan Campbells or you might have to go to Santa Clara. You don't, you don't want that route. I don't care what y'all say. I don't, you can be in the comments saying, yo, Holly, you scared of the Niners? Listen. I, you know, because some of y'all say y'all grow up in the hood and y'all saw some violent things happen. Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, we are a show that we do not condone violence, but we also are a show that understands it. And a lot of y'all sit there and y'all tell me, I ain't scared. I ain't scared. I ain't scared. Cool. I grew up in a place, and, and I don't say this as a badge of honor. I grew up in a place where I knew a lot of dudes who weren't scared and got put to sleep. I don't know where y'all are from. 
But I've, I'm from a place where the scared dude who wasn't scared a big hawk stew get knocked out. He wasn't scared. Now he's sleep. Because sometimes not being scared means you lack common sense. See, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, a good run beats a bad stand any day of the week. Because I don't get no credit for not being scared and my back dirty. Because Joker done put me on my tail. No, I don't get points for that. I get points for saying, you know what? I got a little common sense. And I'm a little bit frightful of that dude. I've watched that dude knock, knock three people out. In fact, that dude has knocked me out one time. So I might not want to fight him right now. That's how I see the Niners. So am I afraid of the Niners? I don't have to play the Niners. No, I ain't afraid of them either. I don't got to play them. But I do know that's a football team that has kicked my butt the last couple years. Thoroughly. In the playoffs, in the regular season. Whoop up the, whooped up on me. Sent me to get the switch. Sent me to get the switch. Got my back dirty. Knocked me clean out. In front of everybody, world starred me. So, y'all can sit there in the comments and sit in, and sit in your laptops or your phone or your computers or wherever you're watching, unfiltered with Jesse Holly. I do appreciate you watching, but don't tell me about you being scared or not being scared. You're going to be on the couch with me. <laughs> you ain't got to deal with Trent Williams. So the Cowboys, it will behoove them to win this game and stay in that fifth seed and hope that someone else knocks off the Niners or, or, or you get to the point in place where you have no choice but to play them and then we'll, we'll, we'll deal with them when we have to. But if I don't have to deal with them, if my path to the NFC Championship and or the Super Bowl is the one of least resistance, Sign your boy up. Sign me up. If my path to the Super Bowl is, shoot, Atlanta or New Orleans, Seattle or the Vikings, <laughs> and the Lions in the NFC Championship game, sign me up. Sign me up. But if I got to go New Orleans or Atlanta, San Francisco, Philly, I'm good. I mean, I'll go if I have to go. If there's no point in putting no return, I got I gotta play them. But if I can have the, the path of leaf resistance, I don't know why y'all, I don't know why y'all walk around here with the with your chest all puffed out like I need to beat the Niners. No, you don't. No, you do not. If someone else beats the Niners, send them jokers a Christmas card. Find out who their charitable organizations are and let's run a, let's run a campaign to donate to them. Y'all got to quit with all this beating your chest. I ain't scared. I ain't scared. You don't have to play. Of course you're not scared. You wasn't out there getting your head beat in, getting embarrassed in front of company. So don't tell me you ain't scared. Don't tell me what you going to do or what you, what you, no, you ain't. No, you are not. The Niners then, the Niners then, 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 then bust us down to the white meat, then knock skin off our head, then skit us, skit right off our dome. You telling me I want to see them again. No, thank you. 
If I have no choice, I got no choice. But if I do, I'll take the path of least resistance. Cowboys take on the Seahawks 7-15 on Prime this Thursday night. I like the Prime videos. I like the Prime uniforms. I like, I like the Color Rush uniforms. On both teams. Going to look good. All right, man, let's move it right along, man. Let's get into sports. The biggest sports story out right now, I think, came out of nowhere. Talk about keeping things under wrap. There was, there was, there was nothing that led. There was no leaking. There was no, they left no crumbs. You couldn't nibble on a story. It just came, boom. Monday, Mark Cuban said, I'm leaving Shark Tank. I'll come back some other time. And people thought, okay, sure. You've done Shark Tank for a while, but that ain't the story. On Tuesday, the Dallas Maverick owner, Mark Cuban, sells majority stake of the Dallas Mavericks to the Edelson Dumont families of the Las Vegas Sands Casino group for $3.2 billion. Mark will still keep a percentage of the company, of the Mavs. He will also keep operating. Um, he'll, he'll do the, 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 the team, what do they call it? Basketball. Basketball operations. So signing and trading and drafting and all the basketball stuff. But this it was a shock to a lot of people. It was a shock to me. It's probably a shock to you. Because now, you start looking at this. Everyone has a theory now. Is Mark selling because he's in some trouble? Is Mark selling because he's, he's some legal things are coming down? You know, he had legal stuff a couple years ago. Cleaned that up. Brought in Sent Marshall and got all that cleaned up. Then the other thing was, oh, but wait. Because businessmen, business. Mark sells majority stake to the casino family. One of the things that the, that has been kind of brewing, if you guys don't know if you're watching this from out of the, I am in the state of Texas. If you're not in the state of Texas, one of the things that's been brewing here over the last couple years, marijuana, legalization of marijuana, gambling. Legalization of marijuana, gambling. And Mark Cuban has long talked about he wanted to make the Dallas Mavericks and his next building, and he's been vying for a new land. For He wanted to make this um, a, spe a spectacle. He wanted this thing to be resort-like. He wanted this thing to be the center of it being Dallas Mavs basketball, but it's a resort, it's a casino. There's He wanted this thing to be... Should I say the Taj Mahal of sports and entertainment? And what better way to facilitate this 
than getting with people who know everything about casinos and gambling. Some of the backstories that come into this, what are the political ties? Now, I am Jesse Holly. My brother Jamel is the political one. That's not me. But anytime that there's money, you got to follow the money trail. You got to look at our, oh, 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 it's a lot of money here. There's a lot of money. $3 billion? This, this is big business. $3.5 billion. The, the Adelson family has, I, I, I don't, this show is not going to be about red and blue, but they do have some Republican ties. The governor of Texas, Abbott is a Republican. Anytime when things want to get passed or you're wondering why things don't get passed, Start looking at the people who are in charge of passing them. That's why you should also go out and vote in like your primaries and all that kind of, not, not just presidential. Go out and vote into other, that's another, 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 another show for another day. But there is something there where there's smoke, there is fire. If someone is coming in, if, if, if a gambling company, a casino-based company is coming in, you best believe they're not coming in because they like Texas. No, they coming in here because there, there is an avenue into the business that they frequent with. And that is gambling. One of the fastest growing, I guess, money-making things has been sports gambling. I'm talking about billions being made in sports gambling. And what better place not just for the local teams. Dallas is one of the few cities that has four major sports teams that sit 30 miles apart. Stars, Mavericks, Cowboys, Rangers. That sit right in the middle of the city. So the, 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 the fan base is there, the population is there. And then when you add sports betting to the mix, a lot of us will travel to Oklahoma to go to the casino to do the card games. You know, you're playing your blackjack or your poker, your slot machines. And that's not even counting sports betting. That's not sports betting. That's just regular gambling. If you can add gambling and sports betting, which is gambling anyway, you cooking with grease. And I think now Mark has found his in. He has found someone who has the blueprints of what does it look like to build, to sell, to get the folks that are that are that hold the legislative votes on whether or not gambling becomes legal in the state of Texas. Now I don't have a timetable on this. But in, in the relative speaking, this can move fast. This can be one of those things where, because again, we're not, this, we're not talking millions. We're talking bees. When you start talking bees, you move to the front of the line with stuff. 
And I have I have a sneaky assumption. I'm I am not the political Holly in the family. That is Jamel. But I do have I, I listen. I have a sneaky suspicion that when all this is brought to the table to be approved, it ain't gonna just be sports gambling or gambling in general. It's gonna be one big wave. It's gonna be legalization of marijuana, legalization of, of gambling. Boom. Because you you don't have to be a mathematician to look at the profitable market of Colorado, of California. I told you I'm not the my brother, Jamel Holly, was one of the leading pushers and and, and political pieces in legalizing marijuana in the state of New Jersey. The numbers are astronomical. The profit that has come from it is insane. The sports betting, insane. It, it, It makes perfect sense. So right now, if if the entirety, because we were talking about this pre-show, 3.5, I was thinking like, man, like how does this transaction happen? Like you're not going down to the Wachovia, or not Wachovia, no, not Wachovia anymore, to the Wells Fargo. You're not going down to the Wells Fargo or to the Chase or the Bank of America and just be like, yo, uh, I, I need 3.5 billion. You ain't going down there to do that. Of course, I'm just, I'm being facetious, ladies and gentlemen. But how did the transaction, like $2 billion, you need to, so you need to have liquid $2 billion to even play, to even have the conversation to bring to the table of we're buying. You got to have $2 billion. So the report says that, that, that the, the Miriam, the Addison, the, Ad, the Adelson family, they liquidated uh, they sold about $2 billion in stocks in the Vegas Sands Corporation to fund their purchase of the majority interests of a professional sports franchise. So they, liquid, they, they went and sold off to get liquid funds, $2 billion, to make the sale even happen, to start. That's, that's, to get the, that's to get the paperwork processed. And the way the numbers are looking... Two billion towards the purchase of a three point five billion dollar means that they can add, they can kind of buy some up of the majority of the stock, about fifty seven percent of the Mavericks, leaving somewhere around 40, 41, 42, 43 percent left over for Mark Cuban, which to me is a win. I made three point five billion. I still I still make profit from it, and when they add this. I don't even know what to call it. What do we call it, Tay? The Taj Mahal, this Taj Mahal of Dallas, this 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 sports gambling spectrum. He's gonna win in that. Now that I, I said that the, the Adelsons win on the back end because once they get the gambling and all that kind of stuff, that's when they, that's when their money because they actually lost on the front end because you gave away you bought a piece you bought a piece to kind of build. This is a piece to build around. Their their money is coming on the back end. Cause they're gonna have these casinos and, they, and it's gonna, it's gonna. That's forever. So big sports story, man. Some things are moving and shaking. I'm excited. I'm excited because anytime that you, I won't be excited for the traffic. I'm lying. I'm lying. Holy moly, guacamole! It's gonna be traffic. Where do you put it? I don't know. 
I don't know. Some talked about using the space that they had where the old Cowboy Stadium used to be at in Irving. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, you do have the structure downtown already built for the highways to take in that, that you know what I mean, the influx because you've had the AAC already down there. But, boy, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. This, is, this has been one that's kind of had everybody like, whoa. Mark kept this tight. He kept this. What's that? What's that? Um, that cryptic. Is he in, like? It's not WhatsApp. What, is, what does he use? He use WhatsApp. He, you know that cryptic. Cyberdust. Cyberdust. That's what it was. Cyberdust. He's all about keeping that thing airtight. He kept it airtight. That 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 didn't get out. So kudos to him and whoever he was in business with because that that was that was a shock. Literally, you you all the people who follow the follow the Mavericks and. Mark Cuban and our, our, our day-to-day people that are around the, 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 the franchise, no one knew. There was, there was talks about stuff that they wanted to do, but selling of the franchise, no one, no one had that. No one had that. No one had uh, breadcrumbs of, of Mark was looking to sell majority stake of the franchise. So this is big business, and I'm excited to see what all comes from this. Um, more money here. They're going to lower our taxes? Our pro- no, not our property tax. I don't even live in. I only live in Dallas. I live on the suburbs, on the outside outskirts of Dallas. I got property tax, yeah. So maybe come down a little bit on my property tax. I'll take it. My property tax shot up. I'm like, sh- I'm like, damn. I'm like, damn. Like I gotta, <laughs> I wanna go back to an apartment. I'm like, damn. Y'all charging me a lot. Anyway, Mavericks. Mark Cuban sold. This is gonna be. This is gonna be. This can happen fast, man. This can happen quick. I'm talking about like three to five years. This can happen. I, I, I'm, I'm calling my shot again. I think, I think marijuana and gambling gets legalized in the next 48 months. In the next two years. No, that's not 48 months, not two years. 12 months is 12, 24 years. 24 months. That's four years. Now I'm going two years. 24. 24. 24 months. 24 months. I'm going 24 months. I'm going two years. In the next two years, excuse my math, I went to public school and college, public university. <laughs> no child left behind. I'm just a little bit late. In the next two years, that's what I get for trying to be like talk like a mom of a newborn or something like that. Oh, my baby, 24 months. Well, two years. In the next two years, I think the legalization of marijuana and I think the legalization of gambling happens. We'll see. All right, man, moving right along. I got a little, I don't know, is he a hypocrite or is he telling the truth? The great, the GOAT, Tom Brady came out a week ago, uh, was speaking to Stephen A. on the Stephen A. podcast, and, 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 and Tom had a little bit of smoke, a little bit of spicy for the new age football. Now, Tom Brady's not too far removed from playing football, not too far removed from even winning a Super Bowl. And, and a part of his comment was he, he didn't like the mediocrity of what the game has become. 
the, the, the mediocrity, the skill level, the coaching of what it become. And you know, if I'm being honest with you, I agree. I think teaching the game of sports, and I, I think this is like in all levels, high school, college, professionally, in all sports, there has been a lack of fundamental teaching the game. One, I, you know, the, 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 the coaches who actually teach, who actually are, are, are students of the game, I think some of those are being phased out. I think even high school, most definitely college, there's been an emphasis more on winning because it's profitable and everybody's about profit now. So it's taking the most skillful trying to hoard those who have the most skill and lack the, the development, lack the, the, the teachability, the coaching of these players. And I think the same thing in college. With the opening of the portals, the development of freshmen being able to come in, get into a program, being coaches don't have the freedom of knowing that my job security will last me four, five, six years. So I can take my time and develop these young athletes mentally, physically, emotionally. I can put in to play and put into place the steps. The, the be good right now society is at an all-time high. Coaches have one or two years to figure this thing out. And if you don't, they're firing you. So coaches have kind of been had their hands forced because the ability to say, I, I, I am Jim Trestle, I am, I am Osborne at Nebraska, I am, I, am, I am Nick Saban, where I can spin eight, nine, ten years at a program, develop it, have a culture, have a system, have guys in place. Guys are bouncing around, leaving one in, you know, one one year happening in the portal, going somewhere else. Coaches are saying, I need to get the very best right now. I don't have time to truly develop because my job's on the line. Coaches are saying, hey, I need these bonuses. I need to go to these bowl games. I need to be in the college football playoffs. And then now they get to the league, and the same thing applies. Frank Wright, who was brought in to be the hand holder and, 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 and to mentor and to develop Bryce Young, was fired in 11 games. So the ability to teach and to learn and then part of it also on the on the players part. This is a player. This is a player issue as well. One of the things that I will say, and this is my get off my lawn. I'm old man Jesse Holly. That is lacking these days. Like there is there there was something about going outside, <laughs> right? Go outside, play. Baseball, play stickball in the neighborhood. Go outside, play kickball in the neighborhood. Go outside, play throw them up, touch them up. 
Go outside. We played a game in Roselle on Victory Street called Interception. Little Richard, if you watching, you know what I'm talking about. Joe, if you watching, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody from PD, anybody from Victory Street, y'all know what I'm talking about. We had a game called Interception. And I'll give you, let me, let me say what Interception was. Interception was all the kids on the block, right? You had to pick two players. You had to pick a, um, a quarterback and then a skill guy. Pick whoever you want, right? And the goal was if you were the all-time quarterback, you would be all-time quarterback, and let's just say, Tay, you said that you were Jerry Rice. And so as the all-time quarterback, I would go Jerry Rice. Now, Jerry Rice, Tay, you now would have to get open while all the other kids defended you. And I, as the all-time quarterback, had to find a pocket to throw it to you. And the, only, the, 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 the goal was to either get 10 receptions or three interceptions, and then you became all-time quarterback. So at an early age, I learned how to catch the football in traffic. <laughs> I learned how to move and catch the football in tight windows. So there's, 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 this, there's this lacking of just going outside and doing little boy, little girl stuff outside that quiet as it's kept was the fabric and essence of you developing your game. There was no greater competition than the competition that happened in your block, in your hood. Then you went to the rec leagues and you went to the, right? But I got, I, I got my skills honed by actually going outside. So Tom Brady is talking about the development being an issue. It's because even the kids nowadays, they spend more time on PS5, on the, on the joystick, playing whatever they're playing, they spend more time on YouTube, which is weird to me, watching someone play the game. I got a nephew who wants to play basketball who doesn't watch basketball. Blows my ever-loving mind. Who wants to play in the NBA and doesn't watch NBA basketball. Same thing in college. The attention span to be able to go out there and focus and to sit in a film room. Now, I get it. I'll give Tom Brady a ton of credit. Like, he comes from the old school. I remember being in New England with Tom Brady. And I remember every day I was I was I was one locker away from Tom. So it was my locker, Dion. It was it was Tom Brady's locker, Dion Branch, my locker. And every day after practice, I, we would get back to the locker room. And how the schedule goes: you practice, you come in, you shower, you get some treatment if you need it, you eat. We go to meetings. So you're getting ready to watch what you've already just done. But every single day in Tom Brady's locker was an iPad, was a towel a chocolate milk and tape cutters and for a couple days i would i'm like what is he watching this is before like netflix and binging and all that kind of stuff and and eventually the curiosity excuse me curiosity got the best of me and i asked him what are you watching and he showed me it was an ipad it was a, it was a camera that was dedicated strictly to tom brady 
didn't watch anything else on the football field, you gotta you gotta be the man to get that. Just FYI, there's a, there's a cameras don't go for everybody. You get the eye in the sky for everybody, but a singular shot, <laughs> you got to be the goat to get that. Be clear. And it was positioned behind him. And every single day he watched every single handoff and drop back. Because Tom wanted to know, was I doing the little things? Were my steps correct? If I was throwing right, did I look the safety off left? Did I follow through? Did I carry out my fake after the handoff? All the little, in, the little idiosyncrasies inside of the game. So I understand why he says that the level of teaching of the game, the mediocrity of the game is because we have players who don't even study the game. Not all. Not all. But there's a reason, and I don't care what anyone says, it wasn't a mistake when Arizona put in Kyler Murray's contract that you must watch a certain amount of film, hours of film per week. That ain't a mistake. You ain't just happen to stumble upon writing that language in a $230 million contract. No. Sorry. Uh-uh. It was because they knew Kyler Murray wasn't studying. And that he was just getting out on the football field because he was a better athlete at Allen High School. He was the best athlete at, at what do you call it, A&M? And OU. And he was just strictly using his athletic ability. And whatever film that he watched, that he was mandatory, had to watch in the building with the rest of the team, he watched. But anything outside of that, Call of Duty is on. I got the new. They, they, someone, did a, someone did a poll. They said, they did a poll for Kyler Murray. They said when the new call, was it Call of Duty or, or whatever it was, when that came out, his productivity dropped. They said he was spending more time on the game than he was on field. So it's things like when you put that into a quarterback's contract, a quarterback of all players, a quarterback that you mandatory that he watches a certain hour of film outside of the building. Come on, y'all. And then it got out, and there he was embarrassed. His feelings hurt. They were like, whoa, 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 we took it out. You took it out? You put it in there for a reason. So I get it. I, I, I get what Tom Brady is saying, and I actually agree with him. And I think that's the part that he's talking about and he's telling the truth about. There is a level of mediocrity inside of the teaching of the game. Coaches don't have the time to do it anymore because ownership is, 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 is impatient. Fans are impatient. They want winning right now. And, the, and, and then profit, it, profit is over everything. Everybody wants winning right now because that is profitable. It's about money, 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 money. Even in high school. There's money tied to that nonsense. The bigger the school, the bonuses, the, 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 the brand deals... So yeah, and, and then and then now you have a lot of times you have you know these personal trainers, right? And I'm one. I, I've worked with a lot of athletes, but I try to pride myself on teaching the game, and then teaching things within the training process that can re, that can re, that can relay and 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 be transferable to the actual game. 
But everybody somehow they just out there, they just out there, they got you out there gyrating. They don't make a damn. They don't have nothing to do with the game. Then you get in the game and you get you get thrown out the club. Cause you're like, well, I was doing, I was doing all the kung fu moves that they showed me at training. I was doing all this, and, and some joker to grab you by the shirt and pull you to the sideline. So I agree. Where I think, and I believe, and Alex Smith came in and he's had a little smoke for Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady talked a little bit about the rules and. I said, I'm like, I don't know about that, Tom. I said, literally, the NFL changed rules on, on, on defenders hitting you when they you got hit low and you hurt your knee and you was out for the season. They said, whoa, hold on. And he is too – the quarterback is too big of a profit. You want to know teams tied together, Vegas and NFL and all the other teams? If I don't have a franchise quarterback, I don't have anything. The quarterback – Became too profitable. He's making a hundred million dollars. Now they're making two hundred million dollars and two hundred and thirty and sixty million dollars. Patrick Mahomes, half a billy. I can't afford for him not to be on the floor. Oh, we got oh, oh got to change the rules. That started with you, Tom. That started with you, my boy. They was letting they was letting them knock Troy Aikman into oblivion with concussions. Brett Favre, Brett, Favre, Brett Favre wasn't on them pills for no reason. Brett Favre was on them pills because John Randall and, 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 and uh, Michael Strahan and Ray Lewis was knocking the dog piss out of him. Peyton Manning ain't had that neck fusion in his neck. All, no, they were, they were, that's because of you. They changed the rules because of you, Tom. Can cannot can we, whoa. owners were like, hold on now. Now, pay him a lot of money. Gotta make it work. Gotta keep him on the field. Quarterback goes down, my ticket sales go down. Quarterback goes down, TV ratings go down. Quarterback goes down, team doesn't look good. Quarterback goes down, all hell breaks loose. Too valuable to the brand. So, Tom, I don't know about, you know, protecting players and all that. They protected you. That's how you got a chance to play all the years that you played. Because they, 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 the league was like, whoa, get up off them. And you, if nobody benefited from that rule change, you benefited from that. And the part where I think he's a little bit of a hypocrite is, and this is where Alex Smith came, came in, Alex Smith. He said, Tom, you, you played in the most mediocre conference of all. You were in the AFC East. Literally, if you got to the season opener, you were guaranteed a playoff. The Jets were bad. Miami was bad. Buffalo was bad for a long time. You got your dynasty from being in the mediocre conference. You weren't you 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 you, you were winning the AFC East, I think like 10, 10 out of the 13 first years you were in the league. So I think it's a little bit hypocrite on that. But I digress. Tom's the GOAT. But even the GOATs can get a little smoke thrown their way sometimes. Talking about the mediocrity of the New York Jets, I want to talk about a miracle. The Jets opened up a 21-day window on Aaron Rodgers, who tore his Achilles 11 weeks ago.
The 21-day window was open up for, for the Jets if they feel fit or feel like uh, so, so inclined to can bring him off the, 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 the injured reserve. Unheard of. There's video out of him today taking dropbacks in practice, in uniform. Not standing on the sideline in helmet and shoulder pads, taking dropbacks and throwing the football. I, I'm not a conspiracy theory type, and there's some that are saying there's no way he tore his Achilles. It's impossible to come back in that time frame, three, four months. I don't know. But this is who what, whatever process that Aaron Rodgers went through, if I'm him, I'm trademarking it. And I'm saying here is the tra- here's the process that I went through that got me back in four months. It is absolutely fascinating to me to, 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 to think about someone tearing their Achilles and being back. Usually Achilles was like a year and a half. Like you would come back in time, but you wasn't really right for another half a year. I, I don't uh, this is crazy. But the 21-day window is open. Now, if Aaron Rodgers returns, because I, I have to ask this question. Is he crazy? Like, is he crazy to return? This team ain't going to the playoffs. They're done. Pack him up. Is it selfish? Are you doing this for selfish reasons to show everybody that you're bionic, that you're not human? Because if you come back and you play in a game and you re-injure this, you're out for, I don't know, I mean, you you came back in four months. But if you re-injure an Achilles, you got to be done. You might be done. Are you just? Are you just not human? I think it's a combination of both. Like you got to be crazy to want to come back from an Achilles in four or five months. I think there is a little bit of selfishness in this. I think this is. I think this is more about Aaron Rodgers saying, "Look at me, look at me. I'm defying the odds of again. You've written me off, and I've and I've wrote back." F you. New York, treat me as if I'm a god. I have the answers. Don't listen to the vexers. <laughs> don't listen to. <laughs> don't don't he, he you know what I mean? I, I think it's a selfish move. I think it's it's a it's a look at me moment because if Aaron Rodgers, this, this can this can be this can be catastrophic. And not only do you ruin this year and everything that they did this year, you ruin next year as well. At least if you ruin next year, they got enough time to kind of get a replacement in place. I don't know. But, but, but we'll, see. Um, we'll see how this goes. I got so much more stuff, man, but I know that we're pushing it. We're pushing it. And it's, and it's tough to get you guys to stay and, and, and last for longer than an hour. Um, I'm going to end it there. I'm going to end it there, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some MVP candidates and my MVP candidates. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about the college football playoffs. It's going to change by the time we get back to it again, but we just don't have time to dig into all of that. It's a lot. It's a lot. So that means you got to come back. That means you have to come back. So watch this, enjoy it, and then come back for episode 41. This is 40. Come back for 41. 
Thank you guys so much for being here with me, man. I love you all. I appreciate you all. Like, subscribe, hit the notification button. Fanatic Views, YouTube, Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, Apple, Spotify. Like it. Leave a comment. Mr. Fourth and Long on all the social media platforms. Um, I'm going to pray on TikTok, but y'all let me know. I'm going to pray on TikTok, man. And again, remember, if you're headed toward the mountaintop, you might want to grab somebody who's already been there. You might want to grab somebody. Self-made is not a real thing. You need a little help. Don't be afraid to go and get that for your own success. Remember, never let anyone tell you that their lives are better than yours because it's your life. All right? I love you. Eliminate the contingencies. We out!